When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Well, here we are. Welcome to Knife Talk. I'm Jeff Fader of Fader Knives with Mareko Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts and Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. We're three knife makers doing a weekly podcast where we talk to knife makers, bladesmiths, blacksmiths, whatever you're doing, we're with you. So, fellas, another week has passed us by. What's been going on? Well, I made the big mistake of thinking that this weekend was the, the hammer-making course with Alex Paul, and it's next weekend. So I'm staying in the UK another week, twiddling my thumbs. I've got no workshop here. I'm just shopping, eating too much food, listening to music. It's, yeah, it's boring me. It's... Did you say hammer or axe making? Oh, sorry. Sorry, axe. It's an axe making. Right. Yeah, axe making is next week. question. All right. Yeah, so I haven't really done anything productive work-wise, and it's getting to me. It's getting me down. I feel as if I need to be making something and hitting something. That's fair. Um... But yeah, just eating way too many takeaways, seeing members of family that I haven't seen in a long time, um, listening to podcasts, listening to music, um, and that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. What about yourself, Mareko? What podcast do you listen to? I'm, I've, I've actually been curious because you, you know, you're over in Europe. Yeah, very, very. Though it doesn't seem like it should matter <laughs> because of the internet. I feel like we listen to very different stuff. Um, yeah. It means nothing to you, but uh, there's a podcast called the Peter Crouch Podcast, and he's an ex-footballer okay. in the UK. Um, but it's it's not a footballing podcast at all. Um, it's just him and a bunch of mates you mean chatting. Each- American soccer, right? Is that what you mean? It's real football, you know, proper football, where real f- you know, no pads, <laughs> no pads. <laughs> I love it. Wait, what does okay. that mean? I don't know. Is that soccer? Is it soccer? Soccer. Yes. Yes. Well, who wears pads in 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 soccer? Well, that's what I'm saying. No pads. We don't wear pads. Not like your no, not like your football. American football is with the helmets in the Super Bowl. Yes, mm. exactly. Everywhere else in the world, it's called football, but it's called it, we call it soccer for whatever stupid reason. But I'm sure I'm sure famous. the the British invented football in 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 the British sense. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Athletico Mince is another podcast I listen to every, well, it's not every week, it's when they manage to put it out. Um, so Vic and Bob were famous comedians here in the UK, and now Bob Mortimer does this this podcast where he has a bunch of comedy characters on there. It's just it's just hilarious, gets me crying each time. Um, and apart from that, <laughs> it's just sort of the, the BBC stuff. Um, there's lots of food stuff, you know, um, all about food, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, especially when I'm in the shop. And here's a little plug. Here's a little plug. The three of us got sent um, a pair of Isotunes head- headphones. Um, and they're great because they aren't just g- g- generic headphones. They're actually ear defenders. So that they... they, they 
comply with all sort of safety laws. Um, so they'll defend you from really, really loud noises. Um, but but what that means is when you listen to music or podcasts, you don't have to have it blasting. You can just have a normal yeah. sort of sound and you can just work away quite comfortably. Right. Um but anyway, back to what I've been up to. That's pretty much it. Listening to music, listening to podcasts, eating too much and seeing too many family members. <laughs> What's your yes. favorite takeaway when you're back home? Oh, an Indian takeaway. Definitely. Yeah. We get them in France, but they're just not the same. They're not the same. And I'm pretty sure yeah. that, you know, they're not traditional Indian. You know, they're sort of British versions, but it's, oh, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> what about yourself, Moreco? Oh, this last week. Um, I've just been working on trying to get my nose to the grindstone. Uh, you, as I've mentioned, we're getting ready to move in the next few months. And so um, I've just been trying to work on getting a bunch of orders lined up and figure out where everybody's at, get all their details, get those things lined up and ready to rock and roll. Um, trying to kind of sell some customers actually a little bit on blades that I already have that fit their uh, kind of the parameters they're looking for. A lot of people, when they get a hold of me, they don't necessarily have a, a specific design, pattern design mm-hmm. in mind. And even if they do, you know, usually their order isn't getting built for a couple of years. And by then they're like, oh, I saw this other pattern that you did that I really love. And so all of these knives I have kind of laying around extras are, um, they're, they're all kind of the experiments that I've been doing over the last couple of years and just kind of proof of concepts. Cause when I come up with a new pattern, it looks like one thing in a bar, but once you forge it out into a blade, it transforms into something totally different. And so I, every time I come up with a new pattern, I got to forge a blade to see what it looks like. And so I have a, a nice little collection of about a dozen blades laying around. And so, so it just, been a lot of uh, some administrative stuff, uh, you know, just regular work with, uh, you know, finishing out knives and stuff. I got a giant 11 and a quarter inch uh, Gudo that's going to a chef in Chicago uh, that he loves those big knives and he knows how to use them. He's got the skills. Uh, he's on Instagram, Chef Living Good. And, um, and uh, he, I think he's really excited to get that done. So I got a Saya to finish up. I got to put an edge on this thing and then it's going bye bye. Nice. So that's what I've been up to this last quarter. That's a, that's a, that's a spicy it's a giant. meatball. Yeah, it's a kitchen that's a sword. Bit, that's a big old. That's a big old. That's a big old chef knife. Yeah, it's gigantic. It's ridiculous. Right. But but Sounds the good. French the French sabatiers. Some of those used to get up to fourteen inches. Mm. But those that were kind people. of like. <laughs> that's crazy. They, These people are crazy. But they were a, a lot of those larger knives were used by uh, butchers and meat cutters. Right. So they they had. It, they had crazy ass grinds. So, like in the first three or four inches, it had almost kind of like a cleaver uh, geometry. And then, as you went out and further and further out towards the tip, where you need more slicing action, uh, it definitely tapered down dramatically. I've seen them go from over a quarter of an inch to an eighth of an inch in you know that first four to six inches. It's crazy. And then they just long, slender, tapered down blades. Um, but you want to see a beast, you go look at those things. Hmm. I'm wondering, actually, I love do you guys have um, more meat around the heel of the blade as opposed to the tip? I mean, obviously, you can have a distal mm. taper, so you will. But, I mean, yeah. when you when you think of the, the way the knife's going to be used, it's going to be more sort of chopping and sort of mashing garlic, you know, round about the heel. So I generally leave that a little bit thicker anyway. But I'm just wondering whether you guys do the same. Yeah, yeah. that's actually – that's something I've been talking – when I was down in Arizona, I was uh, – 
talking with Mike Quisenberry, he, you know, he's a phenomenal knife maker, but he's really just starting to get his toes into the chef's knife mm. making. And he was asking me about that because that's what he did. And that's just because of what it made sense to him in his head. And that's exactly what I do actually as well. You know, for the middle, like three fifths of the blade, it's pretty fine. It's about five thousandths to ten thousandths behind the, the uh, primary cutting bevel. Mm. And but out at the tip and back of the heel, so out at the tip, it's maybe a little beefier and around quote unquote beefier around ten to fifteen thousandths, and then back at the heel, it's upwards of sometimes twenty to twenty five thousandths. But it's only like the one fifth out at the tip and one fifth out at the, yeah. at the heel, and then and then everything else in between is pretty fine because that's where you want to reduce that friction. But out at the tip, having that extra beef. Uh, helps give you a little strength in case you happen to bump the knife, the tip of the knife into something or drop it. Um, and also it's, it doesn't need, I mean, it's nice to be ultra fine out there and you know, 15,000 is pretty fine, uh, as it is, but, um, it's not necessary because the tip is usually being used to cut open bags or do work that maybe a, uh, like a petty would do Mm -hmm. or a utility knife would do, but yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, the tip, I generally... It's super fine on my knives, but it's just the heel yeah. that I leave that that little bit. You know, if people sort of mash garlic yeah. and all sorts, don't they? So I tend to leave that heel. What about yourself, Jeff? Sure, the sure. geometry on yours is it? Is it pretty? I, I mean, it's I do a distal taper, and then my heel is you know, I mean, it's not. I don't know the thousands, but it's thicker than the tip. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I, I just I usually I've been doing I've been making my geometry. So I you know what? Since I've been doing this podcast, I've been making my geometry much thinner. So uh, I'm like focusing. I used to think that it was more. I back when I first started, I used to think that for maintenance sake, it was better to have your knife a little bit on the thicker side. But now, the more I'm doing it, and the more I'm talking to people like you guys, and the more I mean, the past two years, I started making my knives much thinner, and now I'm far more. Now that I got the disc grinder too, I'm far more. And the now that I electro etch my stamp. Hmm. I'm far more concerned with getting a, the th- as thin as thin as I can go, and I'm getting much better results as a result because I don't have to worry about. I used to hand punch my uh, uh, my my, t- my my maker's mark, and it was so stupid because then I was always worried about washing it away. And yeah. then when you when you get to the point where you start to think, oh, I better not wash out your. If you're worried about your logo over the performance of the knife. You got to reassess yeah. your situation. So, yeah, so I, I have, uh, I mean, that just, just switching over to electro etching made me focus far more on the knife, and I don't have to worry about that. So I, I go, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm in thin. I believe in the thin to win. So I've been making my knives. However, it's different. A nine inch knife is going to be have a different thickness than uh, an eight inch knife. Mm-hmm. An eight inch knife might be a little bit more robust in the uh, distal taper, just because of the distance of your taper, but sure. yeah, I've been trying to make them, I've been trying to, because I'm talking to you guys, I'm trying to make them thinner and thinner. Of course, I love to do an S grind, but I tried a couple and boy, do they look like shit. So I'm, uh, I'm holding, I'm holding off, I'm holding off until I get my, uh, until my, I'll do, my, uh, I'll come do a demo for you. I, I love it. I love it. I love it because I, I've been, I love the platen. Uh, I've been using the platen that Bill Benke sent me for just doing, um, like kind of like a wide hollow grind. And those have been great. It's been awesome. But like I just starting in the middle of that S grind, it looks like, I mean, it, it looks like a, a drunken, uh, when the guys are putting the, the, 
the uh, the lines on the road. The painting the lines are drunk. Lo- I looked like a, I mean, looked like a drunken <laughs> idiot. So did a couple of that. Well, I was like, ugh. What have you been up to this past week? Yeah, I I, <clears throat> I finished a couple. I finished some knives that I needed to get some <clears throat> custom orders done. And we ju- this is the first week we started. Uh, Tony changed our website so it's very user friendly for us. So I can start. Uh, we can start putting our one-off knives up, um, which is something I've been wanting to do. I've been saying it for a while. We've changed the way we're doing business, so we can have knives on hand to sell. Mm. So we've tried fooling around to see how it would go, and I put up um, that uh, Ford Chef knife with the lure Saya, and I oh, put yeah. up another little bushcraft knife, and uh, we wanted to see how it would go, and. It went great, and we. I went on Instagram. I said, "All right, come on at nine o'clock and putting it up." Mm. And uh, it was very. We're using Squarespace for our website, and what the great thing is is super user friendly for Tony, but also it sets you, you know, so it puts you a limit. So if somebody buys it, it locks it out for everybody else. So it's not like ten people are you know clicking on it. So that was a really great. uh, It was exciting. It was fun. It was nervous making, and uh, uh, that it's going to change the way we do stuff. And now. I just got a message from Tony. He said that, uh, you know, we just had a, this month we had a lot of bills, extra bills to pay for accountants and stuff. And he says, you think you could have a knife to put up on the website for next week? So I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So it, it allows us to be a, a, a super flexible in terms of, like, I get, like in your situation, you got 10 knives lying around. You could do like a, a quick auction or a quick, you know, I need a, like, I need a quick hit. And then, you know, you use social a media. Quick, hey, your... I'm getting ready to move and I need some extra cash. <laughs> I tell you what, what talking about? I tell you what, that's what Tony was like. Hey, man, I we got a, our bill from our account was higher than I expected. You think you could pop in a few uh, pop in a knife or two just so we can, you know, just so we can have a have a little bit more of a cushion because, yeah. you know, yeah. so so it made it it made things a lot. It changed. I mean, it made us so much more flexible. Also, right. in terms of the accounting, in terms of how we do it, and and it's going to change the way we do things. I like the way you did it because so. you sort of built that excitement as well. So people were waiting, you know. And then it was a case of who's up there first to get it, you know. And they, you know, they sold immediately, didn't they? Well, I mean, I was paranoid. You know, mm. I was. It wasn't just like I have no faith in myself in general. And I was like, I, I you know, <laughs> it was gone be a in few ten things. seconds. Well, I mean. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was not 10 seconds. I I did, you know, I'm with all, you know, due respect, you know, the people at nine o'clock in the morning who are on Instagram stories are not necessarily your, your same customers that you would have. A lot of yeah. you motherfuckers out there watching Instagram stories at eight o'clock in the morning or, you know, you're having a dump and you're, you know, you're fooling around. <laughs> so you might not have your wallet out. So yeah. I actually padded it with a couple of my customers just to let them know that I'm going to, you know, let them know that it's going to go up and... You know, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a crazy person. I, yeah. You know, we got to do whatever it takes, and I really wanted yeah. to make a move, so I, I let a, cust- a few of my customers know. And we're gonna—that's the other thing. You know, it's like how do you address your customers plus other people? And you know, we're trying to figure out how to the best way to do it. But uh, it went great, and now I'm going to be having—I'm um, going to be working on some oyster knives that I'm going to be able to have like a ten of them. Or we're gonna do some chef knives every so often. So I'm gonna be able to work on custom orders for two weeks, and then work on stuff for the website nice. for two weeks. So it's good. But by the end of the year, you're gonna be auctioning off fader knives, bladesmithing experiences where people come to your shop and watch you do a demo, and then you guys cruise over to Finn and Brew, eat some delicious food, meet the chefs, tour the kitchen. 
Maybe they well, cut with their knife. <laughs> I, I think that you're. I think that you're being very nice. However, uh, the chef of Finnebrew, Mike Anastasio, is listening right now, and I'm actually going to go hang out with him. He's doing a class. I'm going to go hang out with him during Such class. Such a good guy. But the the funny thing is, is the funny thing is, is like I I, I get weird about auctions. I'm not going to do auctions. I, I I would prefer just to be you know just be very clear in terms of the pricing. I th- I see a lot of guys doing auctions, and and sometimes I feel like um, it's more about the brand and the persona versus what you're actually getting, where there be mm-hmm. hammers and stuff. So my personal opinion, and, and you know, God bless you. If you want, whatever you want to do, you should do it. But for me, it's just going to be like I'm just going to put a price up, um, and then when it goes, it goes, and then be very. Yeah. I, I just I like the I like the um, I like the the casualness of it in terms of this is the price and go pay for it as opposed to like let's roll the dice and hopefully you know i get more than it, it should be. yeah and it's done really it's do done that. isn't it? there's no admin to be done so you know you put it up the order's done they've paid you've right. got their address it's all yeah. done by the website there's no real admin to chase up you just need to mail the mail I mean, the, the knife out i don't want to i don't want i don't we're not squarespace is not our you know customer our, our sponsor but i tell you what it did make it did make our lives easier because you know if you really want to have a good website you got to pay like 10 15 grand and then you have to have somebody you know monitoring it you know you, you, in order to yeah. make changes yeah. you yeah. got all of a sudden you got to write emails and you got to cc people and you got to follow up with more emails this is <clears throat> hey tony you want to put this up i shoot him a mess i shoot him a picture he puts it up he says yeah i need five you know give me three sentences about what you wanted to say we put it up and then boom, bingo, bango, bango. Yeah, I mean, any sort bingo, of bingo, modern bingo. website builder, whether it's Squarespace, Shopify, or even Wix, they'll all have this sort of admin interface where it's super simple to use and, and it'll just handle <laughs> the orders for you. As long as you can put the quantity in of the, you know, the amount you've got, like you said, it'll shut it. Once the knife is sold, it shuts it down. It's, it's not available anymore, you know? And for talking a, to like young knife makers who ask us about this kind of stuff, I mean, it's it's not really. I mean, like I said last episode, it'd be great if we just didn't have to talk about business for one episode. Yeah. But if you, the one thing is about like these, you know, if you have if you're if you're fishing and you have an awesome lure and you have an awesome uh, awesome fishing rod, but you don't have a net to bring the fish in, what the fuck does it matter if you got the fucking lure? Mm. So you have to figure out ways in which to like make these things you know, easier to, to do. And, un, you know, unfortunately it's part of this whole thing. You have to do it. So, bleh. Bleh. That's yeah. the story. Boom. Well, I want to take a second and just kind of say a thank you to uh, our, one of our sponsors, AMK concepts. They've been really awesome. They've their uh, their discount code AMK 10 has really helped a lot of uh, our listeners kind of get a break on getting, getting going, getting started or getting the new equipment that they need, whether it be small wheel attachments or what whatnot. And I just really want to thank them. As Craig mentioned last week, we're going to be uh, working with another grinder uh, manufacturer who's in the U- uh, in the EU um, to help out our uh, our our friends over in Europe uh, get some good deals. Um, but again, AMK still has the. Uh, it still has the discount going. It's 10% off uh, basically anything you buy from them. Um, they have everything from uh, single speed 2x72-inch grinders down to 1x30 little sharpening machines and and all kinds of tooling and uh, small wheel attachments and stuff in between. Uh, but, for example, they have the AMK77, which is a single speed grinder. It's, it's uh, 13 I almost said $1,400. It's $1,399.99. But uh, if you pump in that code... 
all caps, AMK10, uh, you'll save 10% on that. And I'll tell you what, I wish, uh, I I really do wish that I had this available to me when I first started because I built my grinder and it ended up costing more than that and also took me a month to do. And if I could have just bought a grinder, that's exactly what I would have done because the grinder comes with a 12-inch large serrated wheel that's on a pivoting tool arm uh, with a flat platen that doubles as a slack belt uh it's really cool how it all locks in and it, it's easily easily adjusted and uh you know they're just they're really great people they've really taken care of our our, our listeners and so i just want to i just want to thank them for uh helping us out and sponsoring and taking our taking care of us all yeah nicely said amktactical.com and the code again is amk10 oh shit i just remember something else go for it go for it <laughs> last week we did a second episode of the Hot Sauce Hammer Off, ah. uh, where we eat the, <laughs> the hot sauces and we forge out some stuff. Uh, it was me and Peter. I won't take forever on this. It was me and Peter competing this time. Uh, Jamie won the first episode, so he got to be the uh, the challenge presenter this time. And he, he made this blacksmith knife where uh, you forge down a rain. And we started with one inch, one and a qu- quarter inch wide by quarter inch thick by six inches long. Uh, piece of steel and so basically you have to forge down a rein and then draw it out which is surprisingly labor intensive and time intensive and so basically basically you had to forge a blade out in the first couple in the first heat or first couple heats and then forge down that rein the rest of the time you get a total of a max total of 11 heats uh and then twist it curl around and make it look basically as best as you could just like jamie's and uh between peter and myself uh, well, maybe I won't say. You gotta go. You gotta go. Yeah, to YouTube. good go one. To, go to Dragon's Breath Forge on YouTube. It's Hot Sauce Hammer Off. the The cover page is Peter making some goofy ass job at a hut face, and um, and Jamie hanging out. and And it's really fun. It's really cool. That's the live stream. We're gonna. We've been working uh, with Chris De Cesar of Fans of the Forge. Uh, Jeff, you actually chimed in just before we got started. And uh, he was doing a live stream over on Instagram. But Chris Cesar and his crew with Sean, Teresa, they're helping us out, um, put together a, a better, a higher production quality, I guess, video versus our, our kind of our live stream. Though Jamie did do a, a very nice job getting in there with the camera and, and asking good questions and keeping a, keeping the conversation going with the live stream. But the, if you go watch the live stream, the actual forging and hot sauce eating doesn't start until about 21 minutes in. It's a, it's an hour-long video, and so if you want to jump ahead, jump to the 21-minute mark, and that's where things really start getting going. Otherwise, we're just kind of we're just kind of milling around and still setting up and waiting for the the food to cook up and stuff like that. But we told people we'd start at seven, so we started the live stream at seven. Um, we just weren't 100% ready yet. But that's it. That's it. Chris Chris also had the nerve to call me a bitch. Oh shit! <laughs> I heard yeah. that. It was uh, that. it was uh, unfortunate. <laughs> I, I'm not mad at you, Chris, but that he tried to peer pressure me. He, he said, "You know, I think you said something along the lines of, hey, we need you to come up to do it.'" And I said, "I'm not. I'm not doing it because you know I'm not good with hot sauce. I, I'm good. I love hot sauce, but yeah. I have this line, and after that, as very a very uh, sensitive line, I start to hiccup a lot." Like a lot. Sure. Like I'm always. I watched. Uh, I watched the first we feast. The uh, uh, hot wings. Hot wing show, 
and no yeah, one's ever hiccuping. Yeah. And I'm like, what the what? What? <clears throat> I would be hiccuping right after the third one. So then, no, Chris no, no, said there was, was like, one. Oh. I can't remember who, but there was one person who just was hiccuping. Uh, I would hiccup the whole time. I would hiccup the whole time. So I said that I'm like, ah, you know, what? I don't want to be up there. I hiccup the whole time. And he and he said he said, well, then you then you're going to be in the bitch category. <laughs> and I just and I, and I just let it go. I let it go, and I was just like, all right, Chris, relax. And I, all I could think of is if you think, Chris. That I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a, a party to your bullshit peer pressure. <laughs> you think a little bit of bullshit peer pressure about a hot sauce thing is gonna get me fired up to drive up to Connecticut to to, to eat hot sauce? You got another thing coming, my man. But I, I, Chris is a good guy. Fans of the Forge are good guy. He tried. He did everything he could. He tried to talk nice, and then he tried to get all hard on me. And it was like, yeah, oh, <laughs> just off. enjoy the time. Don't try to, you know. What's that? You know, your peer pressure doesn't work on me. You know, I've got an update as well from last week. So we we were asked the question from one of our listeners last week: if you could make a knife for anybody, who would it be? My original choice was Lorraine Bobbitt. Quickly changed Jesus. to unfortunately uh, to Jamie Oliver because he's such a hero of mine. Not just his cooking and getting people into cooking, but the social stuff mm, that yeah. he does. And yeah. our boy Fingal Ferguson justice. reached out, and he's got me a contact. Oh, yeah. So I'll be making Jamie a oh, knife, man. and I know it's going to get into his hands. I know he's going to have it. It's not just going to be mailed off to his office. That's outstanding. That's that incredible. is totally outstanding. Fingal is the man. He's the man. Fingal, Fingal's a good dude. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> questions 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 we get a lot of questions um these are listener questions um asking us about our opinions on things again we're not the experts we're certainly not the experts we're going to try our best so jeff do you want to take the first one sure this one comes from summit and c smithing by the way if you want to contribute to this hey man can i ask you a question follow us on on instagram um Knife Talk podcast, and then once a week we'll say shoot us a DM and ask a question, and that's the only way we really check to see if you wanted a question. Yeah. So, Summit and C Smithing says, "Hey cuties, that's another thing from last week. <laughs> what kind of hobbies or passions do you have in your free time?" Ooh, good one. Free time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. boom. Yeah, boom. That's a hundred percent. That's the right answer right there. <laughs> that's that is the right it. answer. <laughs> Sleep. Well, if you while you guys wait, I'll I'll uh, um, I tell you what. If I didn't have to, if I had enough time that I could carve out some time, I would I would I love fly fishing. I love mm. I learned my dad was always uh, wanted to learn. Oh, my my dad uh, was into fly fishing, and when I was a kid, he used to put me in a field with a fly rod and no fly on it. And he just had me casting for like a long time and like all the time. And I was just like, dad, am I ever going to get in the water? He's like, ah, sometime. So he never actually put me on the water, but I would just cast. And I loved, I loved, um, I loved everything about it. And when I got into college, I did a lot of fishing. All my sculptures are fishing stuff, but um, the fly fishing is great because um, you don't have to have a ton of tackle with you. You can put your <laughs> tackle box in your pocket and it's, why are you laughing about that? Uh, carry on. Is that like a dick joke or something? <laughs> That's a dick joke, right? Yeah, I think it's a very British Your tackle thing. is your it's, ball, is your dick? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's your dick and balls. You fucking yeah. laughed at that? That's your the tackle. best you got. That's the best laugh I'm going to get is I, so I'm going to bring my tackle with me? You son of a bitch. Yeah, that's what you're so funny. That's what's so funny. Like I, I try to give you my best shit and I slip out tackle and then that's what's going to get you? All right, well. That was terrible. That was terrible. So that's what happens. I zip up my pants. I a bottle of wine with you. 
I zip up my pants, I put my waders on, I make sure I got my tackle tucked in, and I go out <laughs> for the day, and I like to fly fish. To catch a three-inch tiddler. <laughs> <laughs> three-inch tiddler! All right, baby. That's a good one right there. <laughs> dick jokes. Always oh, goes man. back to dick jokes. Well, I mean, you you know, you giggled like a little fool right there, but I liked it. Uh, hobbies, I've got so many, um, and I don't have the time for half of them now, so... I play uh, guitar, piano, a bit of drums, and I sort of record a bit. Um, I I brew beer. Um, it takes up quite a bit of time. Um, and I'm still into sort of electronics. I make sort of electronics projects and Arduino kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I've just had twins, so all of those are really put on the back burner. Um, but, you know, who knows? One day, one day I'll get back to those. Uh, being from the Pacific Northwest here in the United States, uh, we got a lot of trees around us and uh, growing up in those, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's nice here in Connecticut, actually. It's, that's one of the things that really attracted me about the idea of moving out here is because there are so many trees and it's very green and mountainous and there's play, places to go outside and play. So my son is getting to the age where, uh, he can handle walking by himself. I don't have to carry him everywhere. And so getting him out into the woods more and walking around, uh, my in-laws have, I think I spoke about this before, but my in-laws have about 16 acres and only, uh, like three or four of it are clear and the rest of it is all wooden. They have oh, trails nice. up through there. So it's always a really nice place to go and walk around. They have crows and great horned owls or red squirrels. And sometimes there's like big cats and bear scat around. So we got to, we make sure that we're singing songs and talking really loud <laughs> when we walk through the woods. Um, and, uh, but yeah, getting out into the, getting out into nature. Uh, I look forward to doing a lot more when we get back to Washington. All right, this next one is from Wandering Priest. Uh, he says, hey, cutie pie. We should actually change the segment to hey, cuties instead of hey, man. Oh, oh, <laughs> we've got somebody at the door. We've got a visitor. Oh. Hello, who is there? How can I help you? What's up, bitches? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Time to clap this show I think it is? up. <laughs> ben... <laughs> This I this is I'm going to do an introduction. We are very fortunate to have a special guest. His name is well, you know his name. It's Rick fucking Barter. Rick Barter <laughs> is the co-host of the Blacksmith's Pub. It's our sister podcast um in with Jesse Savage and Rick Barter. And Rick, welcome aboard. Thank you for that awesome introduction. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry well, to let's... interrupt your show. Not a problem. Not a problem. So, I gather you're here for a reason. I am here to ask you a question. Oof. Many questions. Oof. Hey, man, well, can I ask you a question? <laughs> cool car right there. So, for those that don't know, Rick hosts a, a podcast, the, the Blacksmith's Pub podcast. And, and it's a great podcast. Anybody interested in knife making, blacksmithing, get on, get on iTunes, subscribe to them. Yeah, and they do have the best interviews. Thank you. Or beer. What What am I listening for for who's who? Hi, I'm Craig Lockwood from Cardiff. I'm 42, and this is my buzzer. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff Fader from Peekskill, New York, and this is my buzzer. Hi, my name's Mareko Malmasi, originally from Olympia, Washington, now living in Connecticut and getting ready to move back. This is my buzzer.
So first question. The beaver is the national emblem of which country? Craig. I'm going to guess Canada. I don't know. Oh, that's one for Craig. Oh, get in. You got it? You got it. He's good, man. All about the beaver. It's all about. (laughs) Yeah, all of you, your tackle. You got your tackle out for the beaver. All right, go ahead. Whenever you said tackle and Craig started laughing, I was. I was laughing in the background. I, like, <laughs> thankfully, I was muted. So, yes. Yeah. Sophomoric humor, but... Okay. Second question. How many millimeters oh, are in Jesus one Christ. inch? <laughs> <laughs> Craig That's was Craig-y. in first. Oh, millimeters. Yeah. Um, oh, now you're just oh, figuring no, you out don't know the answer. 20, uh-huh. 25.7. Oh, I'm wrong. Uh, you know what? I'll give no it to way. you. It's 25.4. It's close enough. Point three millimeters. I, close. Close I was going to take. Yeah. If anybody got twenty five, I was going to take it. So that's this is some bullshit. So <laughs> far, this is some bullshit. Okay, go keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question three: In forging, what do you call the ah. process of increasing the cross section of a piece of metal? Mareko. Upsetting. Yes. Nice. It was Mareko. Good yes, boy. you are correct. Or I listened to one of your shows. It's Maleko, right? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. there you go. See? <laughs> Maleko. Maleko. Okay, question four. Which TV character said live long and prosper? That's Jeff. Jeff. Uh, Mr. Spock. You are correct. Look oh, at this. Finally. You guys are doing so good. <sighs> Excuse me, doing so well. <laughs> Come on, go ahead. Go on, go on, Rick. Okay, fourth question. Which TV character said no? That's the that's the fourth question. Fifth question. <laughs> my bad. Fuck. <laughs> Quick on that trigger. Watch out for Craig. Watch out for Craig. He got his finger on that. She got that finger on that button. Sneaky. Okay, question five. How many baseball players are on the field during a game? <laughs> Jeff. That's not me. Oh, that was that was me. Uh, oh, shit. sorry, Mariah. I think I fucked that up. I think it. Uh, All right, <laughs> go ahead. I'm gonna say it's it's eight. You are incorrect. What? Um, I'm gonna say seven. Six. Oh fuck! I forgot the shortstop. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Sixteen. I forgot the shortstop. It. Okay. Moving it's nine. Right. Yeah. The answer is nine. It's okay. God damn it. We'll go. We'll we'll go back to the shortstop. So. <laughs> God damn it. I, 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 I forgot the shortstop. You're good. It's okay, man. It's over. It's it's good. Fine. You're go we're, ahead. We're, I'm with you. So I'm I'm to zero now, right? I guess I guess I lost. All right. Oh, ahead. do you lose a point when you get one wrong? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh dude. Stop the trigger fingers. Oh man. Okay. You guys are hardcore. <laughs> yeah. I'm so nice. See, I'm so nice. I'm so generous. Anyway, number six. Who invented the first inexpensive process for the mass production of steel? <sighs> Craig, it was Jimmy Woots and his cousin. <laughs> you oh son my god! Bitch. It was Jimmy <laughs> I think I, I think you just lost a point, Craig. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, for a bad joke. Oh. No, no one. Bessemer. Oh, good. I, I almost said J.P. Morgan. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking terrible. 
Okay. <laughs> this this one should be good. Okay, seven. What is the name of Batman's butler? Oh, Chris. Al- Alfred. Yeah, there you go. Get it. That was there a battle to the battle of the end right there. Go ahead. All right. Which came first, the Iron Hammer or the Iron Anvil? Uh, the Iron Hammer. You are correct. Rocks were the oh, first anvil. Back to Good one. Question. Back to one. Back to Back one, to Jeff. One. <laughs> okay. Who was the first mate of the HMS Bounty? <laughs> Bounty. Uh, Mel Gibson. I don't know. I uh, Is it Mel Gibson? I'll give you a hint. The captain was Captain Bly. That's a shitty. That's a shitty hit there. Well, it's not. What I'm not going to give it that's to you. A, that's a terrible. That's a terrible hint right there. <laughs> if you don't know the goddamn story, then how's that a hint? It's, it's like usually a good hit would be his name rhymes with his name rhymes with whatever. Man, I thought for that's sure a hit. This, I thought for sure this would be an easy one for I don't know. I thought maybe Craig would get it. No, no, no. Mister Christian, Mister Christian, <sighs> that's a you know, worst hint so far. You want that? You want me? Nothing. All right, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. All right, here's another one. What cattle breed oh, share geez. a name? Okay, go ahead. Hold on. Wait for it. What cattle breed share a name with a well-known blacksmith arts college in Britain? Mm, Holstein. Complete and utter guess. Trying to go with Longhorn. <laughs> that is incorrect, sir. <sighs> Angus? Is it Holstein? Holstein, Angus, Baba. What is there? Is there? Is there? Is there, is there a cow called Baba? Uh, I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. Over there, they call them Herefords, but here we call them Herefords. So, Hereford College? No, nobody. No. Well, I know Hereford no. College, but I, 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 I've heard of it, but I mean, not enough that I would be like, oh yeah, sure. Not with the cow. Okay, my bad. All right, all right, man. I'm not doing such good questions. Back to back to some metal work. What is the metallic and glass-like substance formed at the bottom of the fire pot when forging with coal? Is that Mariko? Yeah. Okay. Slag. Oh, oh flux. A chef. <laughs> it's called a clinker. That's yes. a clinker. Yeah, I got it. Oh, yep. I was looking for a clinker. Okay. Slinka. Okay. Uh, let's see. I lost my place. Uh, what do the letters IPA stand for with regard to beer? Oh, man. That was me. That was me. That was Imperial. Marco. No. Oh, it was Marco. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. You take it. Go ahead. <laughs> India, Indian oh, yeah, pale that's ale. Right. I said Imperial, didn't I? You say, fucking idiot. Hold right. on. Say right. it again. Right. Say it again, Marco. I didn't hear it. <laughs> uh, India pale ale. You that's are right. correct, I don't know sir. why I said Imperial. God damn it. Man, right. we, we're tied. By the way, for those keeping track at home, we're all tied up at two now. Really? Are we two <laughs> tied up at two? Two apiece. Holy cow. Yeah. It's crazy. I must have got a couple freebies. Dude, this is a roller coaster. Yeah. Roller coaster. Okay. What are the names of the four main characters in the Flintstones cartoon? That's me. I hear Jeff Fred, first. Fred, Kay. Barney, Wilma and Betty. Jeff, 
Way to go, buddy. Oh, Good job. Oh, thank God. Job. I thought you had that silence was just like, yeah, no, it's stupid as Scooby-Doo. All right, I'm ready. Jetsons. So thank God it was the Flintstones. Go ahead. All right. I'll, I'll help. This, this one, have your hands on your buzzers because this is going to be a time. This is going to be a timed event, I think, yeah. this question. What kind of pictures does Jeff Fader hate on Instagram? That was me right there. Oh. Him. That was me right that was there. Me. Fucking hand picks. Oh, you get out of here. It was I, me, 100%. I don't, hand picks. I don't hand know picks. I, I hate hand picks. I think I heard Jeff first. Oh, yeah, hand picks. Oh, oh. Answers hand picks. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of looking at people's disgusting fingernails and their hands and their disgusting hands and their this is squished a up, disgusting skin. No, 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 what are you talking about? Jeff was telling me off air how he was speaking to Rick over the weekend, and I think there's been some funny business going on here. The, the, Get yeah. out of here. You no. know what? You're some horseshit. Right, Just because you won the last two Chris, doesn't mean you're going to win all of them, okay? Just relax. Here's, here's, how he not, give me a- here's how not horseshit this quiz is. Here's the next question. What does the, <laughs> what does the following French phrase mean? Je ne sais quoi. I heard uh, Loreco. Uh, I got it wrong. I, no, I, I, I heard Loreco first. Expert. Oh, I thought I heard Jeff first. No, no, no. I don't remember. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, now Is, I can't think. My, told, my brain totally just took a shit. Je, it's okay. Come on, Genesis come on, Craig. Craig. Okay, so, Craig. Uh, my French is terrible, but je is I. I know quoi is why, so I'm guessing I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to give it to you. It's I don't know what oh, is technically, I don't know what but what? yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know it is. Funny. I don't know. I thought you would get that hands down because you live in France. <sighs> I, yeah. I struggle with the language. I struggle. I'm learning oh. very slowly, but you know, je ne sais quoi. I know that now. Do something I've learned slowly, <laughs> right? What was that? Sorry. Do some all slowly. All right. Okay. Okay. No. Well, no, I, I know very little. Rick. Oh, let's go with Rick. You got to get pr- this thing going. <laughs> I pray. I guess I should have done better questions. Okay. All right. Here's here's another one. What color is associated with a fire welding heat? Oh, that was that was Jeff. That was Jeff. I, it should be your yellow to close. yellow to white hot. Yellow to white. Okay. That's no cherry red. No. Cherry red. <laughs> It should be like a light ye- oh, yellow. I had white. I don't what? know what. What do you? I had white. So you said yellow white. I say yellow to white. I know it's yellow to white. I, I man, I got to give it to you. But now <sighs> I look like I'm a Jeff lover. You are. You, <laughs> you are, are Jeff and, lover. as you should. As you should. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm with you. <laughs> ah, my man. All right. Let's keep. Let's keep this charade going. The charade, keep this charade going. <laughs> okay. A maker. Uses this to identify their work. Craig. A maker's mark. Yes, sir. All right. There you go. There we go. There it is. Whoop. There it is. So uh, here's another one. And I don't know. I don't know about this one based on ages, but I'm a little older than you guys, I think. But what are the names of the main characters in the Young Ones TV show from the 80s? Forget it. Get it. Craig. Okay. Get it. We've got Mike, we've got Rick, we've got Neil, we've got Vivian. Yes, sir. Harry Ooh. the Bastard. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And Alexi, what I don't remember what Alexi, Alexi, Alexi was, but Alexi, he was Harry <laughs> the Bastard. 
Oh, was he? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Alexi Sale. All right. So we've got five. Craig and Jeff are tied with Mareko slightly behind with two, but uh, Craig and Jeff Dragon both ass. have five. No, you're good, dude. You're good. Let's see. Uh, okay. What is <laughs> these questions are everywhere. What is the score of a perfect game in bowling? Mareko. Three hundred. Yes, sir. Wow. That. Nice. That's that's a good one. Nice. <laughs> okay, here's a knife question. Who made the knife for the movie Rambo? That's Who's, I know that, that one. That's hit that's it was Jeff. That's Hibben. Yes, sir. Gil Hibben. Nice. Hibben. Uh hey, actually, here, bonus question. Oof. Bonus question for this, right? Where does Gil Hibben live? Where's who? Gil Hibben live. You said Hibben made the knife. Oh. Where does he live? I don't know. Upstate New York. I think isn't he dead? No, he's not dead. He li- Oh, sorry. <laughs> he lives right around the corner from me, from where I used to live. Actually, he's in Lagrange, oh. Kentucky. Okay. Just well, trivia. Live long. You know, live long. No, you used- rest no. in peace. Rest in peace, Gil. Live I'm long and prosper. He's not even <laughs> fucking dead. <laughs> I'm putting him in the ground right now in this game. I'll put him in the ground. Okay. So How are we looking score wise? J- score wise, by my count, you have five, Craig. Yeah. Mareko has three. Jeff has six, I think, because he got oh, the hidden right, question. Yeah. Yeah. Baby. So, yeah that's right. All right. Showing so I have, it is. I have two remaining questions. If we don't get these, okay, we're going to have to go to some other stuff. So, uh, what movie contains the following question? What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Is that Mareko? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes, sir. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good pull. Good nice. Pull. Uh, we might have to go to some more questions here, but uh, I, have one, <laughs> I have one other bonus question. That's all I got for questions. What? Let's see. We're, so we have Jeff at six. Mareko at four, or Craig at five, and Mareko at four. So this right. is tight. All to play for. Oh man, let me. I gotta think. Of it's good to be friends with the question quick. asker. Let me let me build, right. let me build some Fuck, tension. Yeah, yeah. He, fa- he faxed <laughs> it to <laughs> me. He faxed it. Build some tension. Go ahead. Okay. Now I can't ask this question though. It's, I gotta think up a different question. Mm. Uh, under duress, Come on, I'll Rick. go with the TV. What do the what does the abbreviation Mash stand for? And it was a TV show. Oh, jeez. Man, I'm gonna take Craig. a guess. Craig. Balls out. Um, military and service hospital. I don't know. That is incorrect, Craig. <sighs> Craig, but. Uh, so now do I have to take a point away from you? Unfortunately, yeah. So. I, well, yeah, yeah. no it means uh, I, it means I won. I mean, that's what it means. You don't have to take a point out away from anybody. It means I won. Well, you got I it got, wrong. Hey, I won. I have one you more just, question. You just wrote it out. I have that's one more good. question. That's a good move. 
You just yeah. write it out once you're ahead? Well, I mean, Don't I didn't know the answer. That, I, that was the worst TV show in, in the, there ever was. So I, oh, I, come I wasn't going to answer it. I hate that show. What? Holy That was a terrible TV show. Oh, God. Insane? It was always on late at night, and I would, if I had to turn the TV on and MASH was on, I'd just turn the TV off. Oh, I'm taking a point away, dude. <laughs> I can't do that. That's bullshit. That's the way it works. What was MASH the answer? Awesome. What was the, what's the so, sound for? The abbreviation stands for Mobile. Army Surgical Hospital. Ah. Well, all right. Well, I won. So there you go. Congratulations to me. All right. We have a chance. I got one. I thought I, I was going to lose. Be honest with you, but, I got you one know. last question we could do and right. see for all the marbles because you got. Well, I thought see. I already had all the marbles. All right, go ahead. You wrote it out like Mareko said. All right. Yeah. I can make it a two-point question, but I think you might right. know the answer. So then it'd be like favoritism. So no, just, we'll just, I guess we'll just, just forget it. Just make it up. As, make the rules as we go up along, guys. So let's, let's do that too. That's All how right, we go ahead. roll. I mean, that's how we roll at the uh, Blacksmiths Pub Podcast. You know what we should do? You should read up the question, and the first listener to DM us the answer gets a T-shirt. Oh, there we go. Uh, that sounds good. That okay. is a good answer. That's great. That is a good answer. That's a that's a great idea. Okay, first listener ready? to answer right, the listeners. question. Does that mean we have to answer too, or? Actually, the first listen to comment, because if it's DM'd, nobody will know who's won. So the first listen to comment on the post when we put this live with the correct answer will win the T-shirt. That is an awesome, That's an that awesome, is an awesome idea. idea. Awesome idea. Go ahead, Rick. Okay. What are my dog's names? <laughs> oh, Jesus H. Christ. On a <laughs> oh, you must have to go listen to the this podcast. Is what, what? That's some this shameless a, promotion right there. That's, that's, that's well, it. it I will follow Rick Barter, and there's your answer. <laughs> Do some sniffing around. You're about to get a lot of knife makers and weirdos wanting to know the names of your dogs. Hey, man, what's the name of your dog? There we go. There and now go. I'm the champion. Now I'm the champion. I thought I was going to lose. I thought it would have been funnier if I lost. But Actually, well, now I'm going to blow a little bit. It was not intentional to like help you out. Trust me. That's fine. <laughs> I didn't want to be accused of favoritism, but here we are. That's fine. Listen. This is not, you know, we're not, there's no guild that we're talking to about th- these questions here. I mean, oh, you're on that again. I was listening. So I, and I don't mean to hijack your podcast, but I, no, I will fine. say I do not prefer pineapple on my pizza. Ugh. Don't However, bring this motherfucker up. No, no, I made, no. <laughs> no, no. I made that pizza no. last night for dinner. I, but I will say, I asked my wife after your pocket, look, your, your podcast is provocative. It's, it's, it gets conversation going. So I asked my wife <laughs> what she thought. And she said, oh, I like pineapple on pizza, but only if it's yeah. with ham. So she yeah. wants a ham and pineapple. That's the only time she said it was acceptable. So it's look, it's whatever you want, right? That's a, but I, that's... I appreciated the, the conversation starter. I, you guys make me laugh a lot, and it's appreciated. <laughs> I enjoy your Good. show very much. And I, I, I... And I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> Well, I will say that, you know, I got, you know, Marek, God bless you. He started doing these polls about food and I cannot believe how many people have been answering you like yeah. pineapple it was pizza. Like hundred people. Yeah. It was crazy. And, you know, obviously 400 of you are out of your minds, but that's fine <laughs> because, you know, obviously some of you people like pineapple pizza. I got messages from a lot of people saying, oh, I like pineapple pizza. And I said, all right, well, good, good enjoy. Give you go ahead. I don't know what to tell you. Congratulations. People are passionate about their food. That's all. People are passionate yeah. about their food. So maybe now we should get back into while we have Rick here. Maybe we should get back into. Hey man, can I ask you a question? Yeah, I'm interested. Hey man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> okay, this next question is from uh, Wandering Priest. He says, "Hey cutie pies, looked like an idiot in front of my pops 
explaining etching to him. Said, you acid etched the blade in fair chloride, at which point he stopped me and said, what? Uh, that FC is not an acid, so that I... Uh, so, Jesus. <laughs> coffee. Need coffee. All right, so he said that FC is not an acid, so can I ask you a question? Base etch? So basically, he was telling his dad about ferric chloride, and he referred to it as acid, and his dad was a dork. And he says, oh, it's not an acid. Now, I read this, and I was just like, I, I am not into chemistry, but I did look it up, and it said, I guess it's not an acid. It's a compound. But I don't know, I don't know how you would refer to it when you're referring to ferric chloride. Hmm. But I will say this. His dad <laughs> is like... You know, Bruce Lee said in uh, Enter the Dragon, don't look at the finger because you'll miss all the heavenly glory. His dad is missing all the heavenly glory. He's too busy looking at the finger. So, I mean, come on, man. You know what he's talking about. (laughs) Moving on. At CDM734 says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? No cuties? No cutie pies? We got a few of them. What is the best way to coat a carbon blade to keep it from rusting? Um, That is new. Uh, that is new maker friendly and easy to use. So let's say you've just made a carbon blade. How are you protecting it from rust, whether you're shipping it out to a customer or whether you just put it in storage? What are you doing? Uh, I mean, in my experience, putting putting in some sort of paste wax, uh, they actually make this stuff called Renaissance wax, which isn't just used for blades. I think it's also used for jewelry and other stuff. But Renaissance wax is nice because it helps create kind of that wax barrier to any uh, undesired moisture coming in. Uh, oiling the blade is also a good move, uh, in my experience. There's also there's this new spray stuff. Uh, I think it's called EDCM or something like that. It's this like, green spray. It almost looks like Mountain Dew in a way. But I've heard it, it does a really, really, really good job um, protecting metal, whether it's guns, blades, whatever, axes, hmm. um, and helping protect them from uh, corrosion. I gotta look that up because what if it's food now safe? I'm talking out of my ass. Mm. Yeah, that's the question. I don't know if it's food safe, so I don't know if you necessarily want to use that on um, food. And so, if it's a food, if it's a knife that needs to be come into contact with food, uh, you know, there's uh, food safe mineral oils. There are there's a cam- there's an oil called Camilla oil. You can Camilla find oil. It that's what I it. use. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that too. It's nice, but it, it sort of so. thickens, doesn't it? it? It almost turns to a wax it when does. you leave it on a blade. So it's nice, but when you ship to a customer, sometimes they're like, well, what's all this shit on the blade? It, show, mm. yeah. it, comes, it shows up a little gummy. Yeah, I, I spray it on, wipe it on, and then uh, I take a second paper towel and try to wipe off as much excess as I can. Mm. Nice. I use mineral oil. I use mineral oil. Because I read that yeah. you give that to people if, they, have, they need a little, if they're a little constipated. You give them a little mineral oil. And if that ain't food safe, I don't know what <laughs> make is. make people shit their pants. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, look, if that ain't, if that ain't food safe, I mean, it, you know, you don't cut your carrots. Yeah. Mineral oil is yeah. food safe and can yeah. ma- act as a mild laxative, sure. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect. So glop on. If you're into so that. Pour, so pour down some mineral oil in your saya and then, you know, let her rip. Nice. Literally. Let it rip. <laughs> All right. Next question. I'm going to hop down to, uh, you know, let's keep going. Uh, this is from Gabe Jensen. He wants to know, what borax do you use? Uh, I use kerosene. And he's talking about forge welding and Damascus. And this might be a good one, Rick. You, you, I know you do a little forge welding yourself. Um, what kind of borax do you guys use? 
I've done, I just have 20 mule team borax because I can get it from the grocery store. And I've been trying to do welding of mild steel without flux at all, just to, just to learn the temperature and see what it does, because you don't necessarily need it. I've heard. And, but when I do it, I just have regular old 20 mule team borax. Then there's something called anhydrous borax, which I guess is the water's boiled out of it already or, or kind of. And I think it's you like guys dehydrated talked about in it, a way. right, on one of your shows. Like, you can put it in the oven or something. You can put regular yeah. borax in the oven and kind of bake out the moisture slowly. Yep. I I never use anything fancy because I just, I don't know. I'm under the impression anhydrous borax is a little bit safer to breathe when it gets, uh, I mean, that's what Aaron Wilburn uses. That's what I, I saw. At any time I've ever done it, he as, when he was using it, that's what he was using, anhydrous. But, um mm-hmm. I'm under the impression it might be also safer to breathe. I don't know. Mareko, you have a... Yeah, so, it, I mean, it just doesn't become kind of a particulate in the air versus a 20 mil. And I used 20 mil when I first started out on my own. Um, and, you you know, you sprinkle that on and it starts floating and flying all over the place. And it's all in the air and that's going in your lungs. And that huh. probably is not the best thing. That's uh, But the anhydrous... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sucks. No, I, I used well, it for doing... like probably a solid year. I'm not doing huge billets like you guys are either. I'm just trying to, I'm, yeah. you know, doing little little stuff forge welding. So I'm not doing big sure, Damascus sure. billets and whatever. So I started buying anhydrous because really it wasn't too much more expensive, and it really goes a long way. And it just it doesn't become airborne. It just it lands on the metal and then it melts and stays there, huh. or it falls to the floor and that's it. And I have a question for you guys in general in regards to the kerosene. The concept behind the kerosene is you put the kerosene in, but you know, like when you when you weld up your billet, you pour the kerosene in. And from what I understand, tell me if I'm wrong, please, is you put a little bit of kerosene in. What happens is, is I guess when it heats up, it creates like it creates something between your layers before you forge weld that makes it oxygen free or something or how does how does kerosene help you when you're yeah so as i understand what's happening is that between the layers uh when you put the kerosene whether you're using kerosene i've seen people use uh wd-40 but what happens you put it in the forge the excess kind of uh solvents burn off and what they leave behind is a, a a carbon layer or like soot basically and that's all in between all the layers and everything. And so the idea is that that carbon, that excess carbon, is helping to uh, prevent. No, it doesn't prevent oxygen in getting in between the layers, but it gives the oxygen to something to bond to instead of forming forge scale. And so when it's ah. in between those tight layers, it wants to bind or get a hold of that actually it's the carbon that wants to absorb and eat that oxygen and what it does is it floats away and goes away so instead of creating forge scale in between um it's ideally just staying clean in there now the reality is you don't really necessarily need to do that because even if you do as i understand it develop some sort of forge scale in between as the carbon in the steel begins to uh, move around when it after it hits the critical point of around you know whatever 15 1600 degrees carbon's moving uh, around through the steel pretty readily and some of that is coming to the surface and creating forge scale um, and you see that on the outside of the billet but what you don't see in inside the billet between the layers is that carbon is uh it, as it's come up to temperature, it has developed forge scale. But when that carbon moves to the surface, it 
eats any oxygen that's in that forge scale and kind of creates a gas that needs somewhere to go and so it squeezes out the sides and that's kind of some of the bubbling action that you're seeing on the side of a billet sometimes um is some of that 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 gas leaving and because uh as long as you do a really good job keeping your layers tight oxygen's not getting in there because now as that gas is leaving you're creating a positive pressure and so gas is exiting but nothing is getting in and as long as you take the time or don't take forever to get from the forge over to the to the press or the hammer to set your initial welds um, that you're going to close that up before anything happens or before oxygen gets an has an opportunity to get in between those layers um, and that's that's what I got and, and let's just be clear good clean well. that you don't get your billet hot then put the kerosene on that don't do no, that that's fuck a fucking no. terrible idea you do it while you it's cold it. Yeah, yeah, you borax, weld it up and then let it cool down and then soak it in kerosene. Because or, or because borax, you put on while it's still hot. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. just guys, don't be stupid. Don't don't pull out your hot billet and pour a chug of a, a kerosene on it. Come on, man. We gotta. Yeah, don't do it. Next don't, question. Don't be that don't, guy in New York. Oh yeah, the forged and fire guy in New York. Oh. Want to be, well, wanna be for right. what, what, <laughs> yeah. uh, is that on a previous episode or something? Well, there was big. There was a guy uh, a few months ago, or half a year ago, or a year ago, who who was trying to what, what do you say? He was trying to do an interrupted quench, and yeah. he lit his shop on fire and subsequently burned half his town down. Oh, well. needless to say. Yeah. It was not. It was not our boy. Uh, it wasn't 20, Mike Cataldo. It wasn't Mike Cataldo up in Albany. <laughs> but a lot of people called him too. Yeah, there's twenty some odd buildings caught fire. Oh my god! This next one is from at bh knife co. He says, "Hey man, can I ask you a question? What are your thoughts on using the little tables for uh, for the porter band saws? Is it worth buying the table or uh, or something that's worth just making yourself?" Um, I, I got to tell you, when I made mine, I, I have a little setup for my porter band, but I built it so that um, it just goes in my post vise because I'm not using it all the time, and I didn't want it to take up uh, table space, mm-hmm. and so I just built it so I could clamp it in a vise, whether it's a bench vise or my my uh, leg vise, use it really quick, and then unplug it and put it away. Um, the tape, but it, but lining up all the holes and everything and get everything right is a pain in the ass and i think those little tables are like a hundred bucks 150 bucks i don't know yeah but you know that thing's not gonna wear down and go away like that'll last as long as you take decent care of it which could be you know easily the whole career of your knife making so um it might be worth if you really aren't aren't planning on bumping up to a, a jet bandsaw or something like that which would be most ideal uh, I would just get one of those little tables. I have one of those uh, tables, and I got the table because I used to put my porta band in the uh, my leg vise, and yeah. it moved, and I put my finger halfway through the bandsaw. So Ooh. I pro- we, it was it was it was not good. So I promised, especially my wife, that I would do <laughs> be more safety conscious in regards to yes. like when these kinds of things happen, I'm going to address them directly. So I did get one of those, and I actually yeah. um, I bolted it to the table, so it it really it's very stable. And then 
The only bad part about those is it kind of a pain in the ass to change the blades out. But the, I think they're good, especially if you're, and you know, Porter bands are great because the, 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 the bandsaw blades are very easy to get a hold of. That's the best part about those things. So yeah. I have one. I like it fine. It's much safer than putting for me. Cause obviously I've, I was two, one strike and I'm out. You know, I, yeah. it was one of those things that like, you know, I like it. I, you know, if you can make something and make it, but if you know you yeah. can buy one for a hundred bucks, it's, it was definitely. I'm glad I got it. I, I don't even use a, a porter band. I'm, I'm all right angle grinders. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, right. I don't know what that was, but I, that's I have the right a, angle I, grinder community. You can't have a right angle grinder. No, no, no. We 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 decided that uh, long ago that everyone, you know. Right angle grinders are the cheapest and the most dangerous thing you can pretty much buy. And unfortunately, no one really ever enjoys using right angle grinders, but you really don't have a lot of choice. Yes. And they're... so we were just talking about the fact that it is a community and we're all stuck in it. Yeah. Yep. It's a hairy thing when you have to. Yeah. Well, anyway, I have, if you don't mind me chiming in. Please. On the the port-a-band deal. I have yet to buy a port-a-band. However, when I do... I want to be able to use it as a portable and use it in the shop. And I've seen someone, uh, Black Bear Forge on YouTube. He has a pretty cool little stand that you basically just slip the porta band in and it holds it securely. And it's like a it's like a quickie thing. You can make it from scrap in the shop. And he has extended the table on the like the little pad mm. on the porta band saw. He's made out of, uh, he's got a piece of aluminum or something that's bigger, so it can mm. act like a table, but he can also take the porta band and take it away and use it portably. Um, that might be I've something. Because then, well, the nice thing about it, as I see it, is then you don't have to, like like on the, the what is it, Swag Off Road table, I think, is the people who make, yeah. are the people who make the table. Right. You have to bolt that thing all in there, and, and once you set it up on the table, it's kind of a pain in the ass to get it off of the table it kind one of becomes... bolt it's loosening one bolt and oh, it's, it it's bolt? out yeah it's it's not a big it's not a big i mean it's it's, it's fine it's okay well the one bolt that's out just a just an option for somebody to look at i you know uh, would be like me and have two you said it was a black bear forge yeah or have two exactly yeah yeah it's like you said jeff and, and i think you said craig on the previous episode about you're talking about uh your two inch belt sanders build or buy or whatever. And yeah, mm. if you're gonna if you're gonna be serious about it, buy what you need and be dedicated. But if if you need something to get by, which is typically what I do, I typically buy a tool that has a couple of purposes, use it until I need to step up to the next thing and then just go and get the right the right specialized tool. And Rick just Rick just got himself a beautiful Anyang power hammer. Just Ooh, beautifully, yeah. it's like thing is unbelievable. Those are nice machines. Just yeah, huge. it's a it's a hundred twenty pounder. I finally got it installed. I had to get phase converter set up and everything. And yeah. now that I have it installed, it's starting to get nice out. And I have to go back to farming. <laughs> so 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 there it's there it sits. But it's it's a it's a process. I I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I will be a lot more in the shop uh, for sure. I thought it was going to be 2019 would be the year of the rooster, but I think it's going to be 2020. The All year right. of the rooster. The year of the rooster. We've got another from Brotherhood Knives. I like this one. 
Hey man, can I ask you a question? And asking for a friend, apparently. Now he says his friend started talking like an outraged Jeff to his wife, and she's ready to throw him out. <laughs> so what should he do? Again, he's asking for a friend. Beg well. forgiveness. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I did, re- I did, re- I was putting these together, and I read this to my wife. And the first thing she did was she says, I, 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 I feel sorry for her. <laughs> she, 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 felt, she felt bad. She felt bad. She's like, I understand what she's saying. I understand what she's saying. I like it. I like it. There, well, I, you know, there's no answer to that, is there? No answer There to is that. an answer to that. You can't be crazy all the time. I mean, you know, this is a, you know, you got to pick your spots. Levels, you know, you got to stick and move. You got to stick and move. You, stick and move. you can't. Keep taking the you meds. You can't just. You can't, I mean, come on, you can't just be crazy all the time. I, I have to, like, you know, I have to be very aware of, you know, I can't be a mental patient all the time. I, the, the, I've been married for a long time, 20-plus years, and yeah. that's because I know I know how to pick my spots. Use your head. And not to mention, I, we're ready for, like, relationship questions. I think we can help you. <laughs> I'm telling you this right now. The next Thank episode, you. hey, man, can I ask you a question? Let's do some romance questions. Mm. I will set you up. I'll make sure. I'll make sure you're all squared away. Oh my God! Can but I the come answer back is, for that? I have a lot of advice. The, <laughs> the answer is, do as I say, not as I do. I don't know what to tell you. If you if you're acting like me to your to your wife, I'm throwing you out too. Uh, it's enough. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. This one comes from Xander Karam. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What's the ultimate shock tunes genre of music? Oh, good one. Good one. None. 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 Mm. None. I find myself None. listening to nothing very, oh. a lot more. I don't even listen to the radio in the truck anymore. Wow. Whoa. Solitude Rick. Head? 100% focus, yes, on the voices in my head. <laughs> Solitude Rick. I love Solitude Rick. I never thought, I didn't think I was going to hear about Solitude Rick. Nope. He's, he's a private guy. There's a private guy. You got right. yeah. to keep something away from everybody. You got to have something I, I will for say yourself. Different music definitely sets a different tone. Mm. Like I, I actually have Sirius XM, and I've been we've been I've been using it for a long time, and I do like all the different channels. And I'll get different, I'll get different vibes based on different album, different you know genres I'm listening to. So I usually go, I usually do like classic rock in the morning. And then if I'm in a real pinch, and this is a weird one, but like I listen to like grunge, like nineties grunge and, and lithium when I need to like <laughs> pump it up. But then sometimes it gets a little bit too, uh, you know, you listen to that a little to get bit too much. Up? I'm not pumped up, but like, you know, just get the blood flowing. And then, and then I do like soul music, old school R and B and soul. I like that. Like, like uh, Nick Wheeler, Nick Wheeler. I like Nick Wheeler music. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. they, day. they say that yeah, you know right. the music that you listen to between when you're 17 to sort of 22, that's going to sort of set your favorite sort of genre of music. Um, well, it's interesting oh, yeah. because hair metal. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to listen to music when I was younger. My dad felt like that uh, a popular. My sisters were a little bit uh, rebellious to him, so he, when I was young, he really didn't want me listening to popular music. So I had a stunted. Jeez, it's like an episode of, of Footloose. Exactly. No, it, oh no. Well, this is the reason why I used to listen. Kevin Bacon. He used to make me. He used to make me. Jeff I used Bacon. to listen to. I used to listen to uh, talk radio with him. So I'd listen to Don Imus. I was. That's why I was raised by like Don Imus and Howard Stern and all these guys and Opie wait, and Anthony. Wait, I'm telling you, 
This he didn't want you listening to popular music, right? Because he but thought he it would let be, you he, listen to Howard Stern and Don Imus. Well, I, we accidentally stumbled on Howard Stern, and then that was pretty much over. But I mean, Don Imus, it was like a normal thing. We'd listen to Don Imus, and the funny thing is, is funny the dichotomy. <laughs> It's a tease of he look, he wasn't the smartest guy in the world. I mean, obviously this isn't this isn't like, you know, the greatest, you know, thought pattern to have, but I mean, we also have people asking stupid questions all the time too. So the thing was was like he would constantly blame the society's the society's ills on uh Mick Jagger and then as I got older, oh my god, would, my dad did too. Like so then he would say like, you know, based on what would happen, he started saying uh talking about, you know, to uh, hey, have you ever heard of that Tupac? Tupac Tupac Shakur. I'm like, yeah, Tupac Shakur. He's like, yeah, they should lock him up next to Mick Jagger. Like, he would blame, like, his, the society's ills on these, like, popular musicians. I was just like, leave them all alone, you know? They'd, they'd make a good album together. Damn well, hippies. If that happened. Yeah, he would, dad, he, he blamed society's ills on Mick Jagger. I mean, come on, man. I've got to be careful because I've got this huge window and I, I live in a sort of small village on Tuesday is market day and I've got this huge vid this huge window there and I'm generally I've got music on and, I, and I'm singing away and you know if I get into it I'm singing pretty loud <laughs> and I turn around there can be sort of five or six French old ladies just staring through the window like what the hell is he doing <laughs> oh, I would flash, love to see then you flash them the devil horns and stick your tongue out <laughs> yeah. you pull out your you, you pull out your tackle and you show them what's, what it is right <laughs> wow oh my god your fishing tackle you pull out your fishing <laughs> tackle right his baguette <laughs> Yeah, baby. Show them what you're working with. Right. Morocco, do you want to pick a question? <laughs> yeah, let's see. All right. We got at Hillside Forge. He says, hey, guys, I was curious what kind of knives you found most challenging or the most fun to make. I'm going to go back to that serrated knife. That took me about two years to mm. get the courage to make one, really. Um, and now I yep. can – I. I can get them pretty much the same each time, so I'm pretty much happy with it. But um, I found that a big challenge. There's a lot of scrap knives being made, you know, just to get a decent thing done. Um, but once sure. you've got a, you know, a routine um, and you get it down, it's it's pretty repeatable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when when I first started learning integrals, they were super challenging. They've become uh, my everyday thing. I think one of the next big things I would love to learn are folder knives. Not mm -hmm. that I necessarily want to get into the folder knife game, but I just like the idea and the and the challenge. Uh, I also really like the blacksmith knives. Like I, I did for this past uh, for the hot soft hammer off. We're making the, all these different styles of blacksmith knives, and um, it, it blacksmithing is there's so much forethought that has to go into it and just try like order of operations have to be in line if you do something out of order you kind of fuck things up and you, it's hard to start over so um so i think I, th I think one of the more challenging things uh, i would love to learn how to do are like the x-ray knives and other kind of styles of blacksmith knives that's my number one favorite thing to do. I tell you what, I, I and I've said this before. Forging is my favorite thing, and and the more forging you can do, the most fun. I learning how to do the X-ray knife from Lynn, from his notes and what he's told me, was the most fun I had. I made three of them, and I made one at Maker Fair with the other more modern forge guys. I had so much fun doing it. I loved, I loved every part of it. Like there, I enjoyed. The forging of the blacksmith's knife, the the X-ray yeah. style knife, really, yeah. with the tenon and everything like that. Nice. 
Rick, what do you think? I I I don't know. You don't like to forge anything. You don't. Nothing's challenging you to you enjoy doing forging. Everything's challenging to me. I think that's the problem. I think. Mm. I, I mean, I enjoy forge welding. I I find that to be something that I'm I like to work at and when I'm in the shop consistently I like to try and do one every day just to try and learn because I'm I, I had success with it everybody says it's so hard but I had mild success with it when I first started but I don't know about you guys when I find if I try to do something for the first time I may have good luck with it but then you try to do it the second and third time and and you've had kind of beginner's luck and you don't know really why you've just blindly followed the process and it worked out. And then I try to search out to find why it works and, and really understand it and dive into it. And now that I've tried to do that, I should go back to just doing this stupid process the way it's supposed to be done because I, I find I screw myself up. So yeah. I, I, I like forge welding. I think it's magic the way you pull them out of the fire and you, you, you get them stuck together and you can make it one homogenous piece. Um, I also just enjoy, I think something like what you were hitting at Jeff, I like everything to do with forging. And the more I do it, the more I like it because I think it's so amazing to take whatever the cross section of material you have and be able to change it however you want. And you still have the same amount of, stuff but you can smash it you can fuller it you can stretch it you can bend it you can twist it and and you're still just have that same material it's like clay but you can't touch it i think and i've heard many people say that and it just i don't know it seems so powerful and so interesting to be able to do that this is what it sounds like in Rick's head when he's driving by himself without the radio on. It's just this beautiful, it's this beautiful flowing thing to say. That was that was eloquent, Rick. I, I'm with I, you. Yeah, thank you. I'm with but, you, my brother. But if you want to get shit done, it's Metallica and hair metal. All right, there you go. <laughs> well, just, there you, you know, go. Call back. Okay, the next one is from JS Metalworks. Hey, cuties, I've got a question. What changes can you see come into knife making as a whole with regards to tools, techniques, styles, etc.? We get this quite often, this, this question. Yeah. Um, and I think once you've got the basics down with regards to tools, you know, you're good. You need, you need an oven. And for me, it's an even heat. And, and I mean, they're moving forward as well with regards to, you know, changes coming in the future. I mean, even heat's now got Wi-Fi and you can connect via your phone, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, they're, they're looking at ways to to bring things into the modern world. But at the end of the day, it's it's a great oven that heats things up. That's what you need. Um, and, if, you know, if it's, if it's knife-making specifically, you're going to need a grinder. And, I mean, we've been through this before. It's, it's... No, but what he's asking what, are, what we see is going to be in the future. Like, in the future, what do we see as oh, going to be okay. innovations for knife-making? Okay. I, th- I think... That's how I read it, at least. Yeah, things like CNC machines, that kind of thing, they're all coming down in price... Um, even, you know, 3D printers that, you know, that can print wood, that kind of thing, you know, you could use for scales. Um, maybe that kind of thing. Um, I don't know, but I think it's just going to be a lot more accessible to everybody. Um, these tools are becoming cheaper and cheaper um, and just more accessible. So we're going to get, I think we're going to get more makers 
I, I agree with you 100%. I think that you're, uh, with the rise of computer programmed um, tools, we're going to see a lot. I, I'm hoping to see, you know, much more reasonably priced water jets yeah. and laser cutters. And I have, friend, I have friends of mine who have uh, laser cutters and or plasma cutters that hook to your computer and you put the file in. And then you uh, – I just got a video from my buddy uh, uh, Jonathan Porter, Doghouse Forge. He uses uh, – he has a machine that he – programs it in and he cuts stuff out at his shop so he can kind of uh cut out the the products really quite simply and repeatedly i think that water jet and laser cutter are going to be very very approachable in the next 15 years do you know i would would think so who i think is a really good example of this new jersey steel baron so they're traditional um steel merchants they sell steel but they now have a water jet in um, sort of service where you can just send them a file. They'll provide the steel. They'll do the cutting. Um, you know that's a good example of the industry sort of moving forward and offering extra service. And I know that I, both Jeff and Morocco both use New Zealand Steel Barrow. They are sponsors of ours. They're on board with us, and they're great. That's what I mean. That's what that's what I posted a picture of my one of my oyster knives that that I had. Uh, you know, Pete Bruno over at the New Jersey Steel Baron got my file and I cut out, he cut out the oyster knives for me, including all the weight reduction holes and where my rivets are going to go and different options. And all I have to do is grind and put in the heat and put in my even heat and ready to roll. Yeah. So that's Man, the answer to that. This is so timely because I was just thinking about that in the shop yesterday when I have to do multiple parts of stuff. And I'm like, God, this is such a drag. I wish I knew somebody locally that did that. Um, and like you said, Craig, I want somebody that I just send them a file. And what kind of file is it? Is it a DWG file, like an AutoCAD file? Um, that's what I... I've used in the past, DWG files, yeah. But I'm pretty sure okay. you could probably even do SVG files, um, anything that would have the dimensional data in as well. Once they have the file, the turnaround is super fast. Like, it's a little bit surprising how fast it is. Once well, they that's the, the cool thing is that he, they have the steel, they have everything. You can just send them the file and you get your parts. I mean, that's... Right. that. It's huge. Yeah. I know I know I our buddy Cliff that. does that too with our buddy Cliff is very that's one thing that in regards to uh having control over what you're doing is guys like Cliff Dufton, our buddy Cliff, he does his own AutoCAD so he can make adjustments based on because he's got the he knows how to use that that programming. So being able to understand how to manipulate it and then when you get something back and you know you can adjust the file or you can add stuff to it. I know that when Cliff makes his if Cliff and John make their presses, you know, he'll even have a lasered in uh the templates where the where where the where you should hold steel up so where so you can weld. I mean he I mean I, I think yeah, the he computers indexes are, the parts. Yeah, it's awesome. I think being able to understand computer programming so you have more control over the process is gonna be pretty critical yeah yep. yeah all right should we get on to the next one yeah Mareka, what do you got buddy just before we do let's just talk oh, a little bit sorry. more about new new jersey steel baron because i know mm. they've got a new website coming i think next week so watch out for that because they can have plenty of deals and make sure you listen to us next week we're going to have special deals for you too mm-hmm. moving on sounds good moving on all right this next one is from Nick Tanner 83. He says, Hey cutie, can I ask you a question? He says, is it worth selling at knife shows given you are surrounded by other people selling too? how much competition or, or good to get your name and product out there? 
So it sounds like a question about trade shows like Blade Show and others. Uh, you know, how, you know, is it worthwhile going when basically you're there selling right beside your competition? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. Good question. It's a great question. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I th- go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. go ahead, Jeff. Go, oh, I was just going to no, say that go. the first time I went there, I was talking to some young guys and, you know, it's stressful. You got to bring all that stuff out there. You got, you're paying for your booth. You got to bring it all out there. You have this, uh, you know, this idea of I got to sell these knives. And maybe the first day people come around, you don't even know if they're your customers. I, I, I know that most of the people who go to the Blade Show might not necessarily be culinary people. There's, I don't think there's many cooks. We've talked about this in the past about there are not as many yeah. cooks going to these things. So, like, it's, it's, I, 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 I did see a lot of nervous people. Especially the second day, they get a little bit more nervous. And the third day, people going around looking for deals. So it, it becomes a little bit stressful. And I always you know, say, like, is it like you know, trying to sell a hamburger at a hamburger convention? You know, it's, it's, you're up against <laughs> a lot of people, and it's tough. But you know, a lot of people do great. Hmm. Yeah. And I think there's extra value as well in these, these shows because you're meeting your peers. You're meeting other people. You, know, you can hopefully you know, develop some relationships with other makers. You can learn from them. Um, and you know, it is like Jeff said, it's probably different for us three because we do culinary knives and they generally aren't, as you say, chefs visiting these things. Um, but for the guys doing EDCs and that plenty of collectors go to these shows, you know, I think there's certainly a value for them, but yeah, I think the extra value is, is just meeting people within the community and just, you know, getting to know people, getting your name out there and, you know, making, making these relationships where you can learn more. And you got to yeah. get on the bullhorn too. You have to like. You have to like. You got to pack. You know. You got to prep everything and get people out there too. You have to let people know that you're there and give them a reason to come visit you. A lot of these guys, they show up thinking, "All right, well, there's customers baked in." I think that you got to take control of everything, and part of that is, you know, getting the people who are in that area that you know, get them, get them to you. You got to, you know, you can't, you can't expect that the the convention's going to get your customers there. You got to like, yeah. if you're going to do it. You have to take the bull by the horns. Yeah, uh, I th- I think I mean I agree with everything that you guys have said so far. I think um, as we talked about about social media before, this is like the old school way of networking and social media. And I think it, while it can be nerve wracking to feel like you're standing right next to your potential competition and selling your stuff. Um, the reality is that people are buying just as much as they are buying your work. I think they're they're buying you as well. And I think one of the most powerful opportunities is for your customers to meet you face to face and to shake your hand and hold your work firsthand and see it firsthand. And uh, I think that's, I, I, there's a huge benefit in that. And I, I, I can see, especially the first, I mean, every time I've gone to any of these trade shows is, you know, you, you work, all of us, for the most part, work in our own private shops by ourselves. The only people who see our end products are maybe our significant other or or our end customers. And then you're coming to a show and you're presenting your world, work on a table uh, alongside some of the top makers in the world and they potentially are coming by and picking your stuff up and looking at it and that that is very nerve-wracking but i think the bigger 
uh, opportunity, as uh, Craig was touching on, is getting to network uh, with fellow uh, makers and building your community, getting to meet the people that maybe you've you've been following on Instagram but never have actually met in real life, uh, getting to ask people questions, uh, just like at the Hammer Inn. Like, I, I got to meet tons of people that I followed and uh, I've never actually met and just get to know them as people uh, and ask any kind of questions or about things that you've seen. And, you know, because not everybody wants to broadcast everything super publicly the way sometimes I do or we do here on the podcast. Um, But it's an opportunity to create those kind of opportunities as well. Uh, I just say opportunity 500 more times, but um, (laughs) what's really interesting and really smart is our boy, uh, Quentin Middleton. So at the same time as Blake, show atlanta is having their food and wine festival and he's smart he's super smart he doesn't hold a booth at blade show he holds a booth at the food and wine festival genius where his target market is and uh and also because he's probably maybe out he's probably the only handmade knife maker in in that show so he has a captive audience it's freaking brilliant he is a genius and so and you know while you and then he comes over to blade show at the end of the day so he can network and meet other and hang out with maker knife maker friends but during the day he's hanging out this food and wine festival he's drinking wine eating good food meeting uh you know influential people uh as well as his target demo uh (laughs) i think he's he's got the right idea and i think uh i think that might I, going back to where things are going in the future, I think that might be a direction that a lot more of handmade knife makers are going to start going is doing more of those kind of food festivals instead of knife shows. That's uh, a good at one. least I think that would be the smart move. Yeah, that's a good but, one. Yeah. So I got last question, right, Craig? Last question. Yep. All right. This comes from, <clears throat> pardon me. This comes from Chubbs Outdoor. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? I've been wearing black socks while I wear my leather work boots all day. When I get home what and I pull fuck? off my... All right, relax, Rick. Just hold, buckle in. Buckle in. We're here with Chubbs. When I get home and I pull the boots off my feet, they usually smell terrible. So, Or so my wife says. Every once in a while, when I run low on black socks, I wear my white socks. After I pull my boots off after a long day, I don't notice any odor. Do you think I'm tripping, or is there logic to this madness? Ah. Thanks, yeah, and love White's the show. Sterile. White so sterile, he, dude. So he's saying, that, he's saying that he wears black socks in his leather boots, and his feet stink. And then he wears white socks, and his feet don't stink. So wear white socks, dude. Yeah. You know what? I, that is the perfect or answer. Dump your and, wife. Well, listen. There you go. Relationship there advice. There you go. Dump your wife. Wear white socks and dump <laughs> your wife. That's the answer. That's, that's, a, that's a blacksmith's pub answer right there. Well, and you know, I, if your wife says you smell bad, don't ask for a second opinion. I think that's really one of the issues here. You know, because yes. it's like. I mean, seriously, she, she say, yeah, I, I think that getting oh rid God. of your black socks is the move. And I think you might want to swap <laughs> your shoes out once in a while. Some shit's maybe not drying out like it should be. Yeah, man. I, I can know? recommend some good shoes for the shop. No, no, no. Don't listen to him. He's going to wear those old lady <laughs> shoes. He wears those old lady <laughs> shoes. Get yourself some white socks. Listen to your wife. Maybe work on yourself a little bit. And, uh, you know. <laughs> 
Do you know what I use? I mean, that's it. I use running socks. <laughs> Get some running socks because they're cushioned and they'll absorb any <laughs> disgusting smells and whatever. Running and socks. Stop smelling, your feet. stop smelling your feet. You're, you, why are you smelling your feet so much? You well, know they're not going to smell point. good. Maybe it's wafting up and well, everybody's smelling his I mean, feet. And that's no, that's not cool, dude. There are some hot spots on your body that you know are not going to smell good at the end of the day. So mm. why do you need <laughs> proof every time? Mm. You know, the, I don't. You know, I don't pull my shoes off and be like, I wonder how bad they're going to smell today. I you, I you don't pull the... my shoes off until I go to bed. I hate. I I put my shoes on. I wear them all day. I take them off. I go to bed, or I take them off, go in the shower, go to bed, whatever. But man, no, don't be pulling your shoes off. You should well, wear those things all day. And don't test <laughs> and just test the pong of your feet. You know, it's like they're yeah, going to be don't bad. Mess with your feet either. Don't like pick your toe. No, dude. Yeah, they're I'm all, with you, Jeff. It's on over. That. I mean, it's like yeah, you're, you no. don't you don't want your wife to say your feet smell bad, or you or worse than that, you don't want your wife to say to you, "You smell a little assy." Have you ever heard that one before? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, you Ew. don't want to smell no. assy, not gassy. Dude, assy. That's a, yeah. <laughs> Dude, Don't. what's your problem? <laughs> I've gotten that. Wait, whoa, hey, you need to hey, you know, you need a shower. It smells a little assy. That's what you don't want to hear. You yeah, don't want to hear that. No, so that's no watch your hot spots. Watch your six. Get in that shower as soon as you take a watch shower every day. Watch your, your six. six. <laughs> yeah, watch your back, baby. Watch your six. You know, have your head on a swivel. If your wife is around and you I'm know you smell that. bad, fuck away off. Go hose off in the backyard or something. You got to preserve that marriage. We're going to do some uh, love advice in the next episode, right. and I'm telling you this. I'm going to offer something else. Antimicrobial footbeds in your shoes, dude. All right. Maybe that's it's something. High, Maybe. It's high tech. It is high tech. It's a brand new world. Yeah. Just get running socks. Running socks are cheap. They're antimicrobial. Give them a wash. They're good to go yeah. again. How do, they, and, how do you get them up over your boots, though? Like, aren't they short running socks? No, get winter ones, and then they're... Oh, see, Rick, Rick, oh, right Rick, on. Rick, Rick, you don't, he don't wear work boots. He's got these like orthopedic nursing shoes that he wears from like <laughs> that Reebok, that as he says, Reebok make, Reebok make a pair oh. of, wor- of Reebok these work bullshit shoes. Sho- they're incredible. Bullshit, these they're bullshit. Brilliant. Yeah. These, yeah. They're brilliant. Yeah. yeah it's, it's your brilliant. world, man. Hey, it's your shop, your rules, whatever you want to do. All right. There you go. Rick said it all. Rick said it all. You said it all. I feel so free being on this podcast. It's so nice. I don't have to like track anything or do anything. I just have to let it all out. All right. <clears throat> now that we've gotten that all together, let's just talk about one of our great sponsors, Combat Abrasives. Combat Abrasives. Craig, what's the website for Combat Abrasives? Combatabrasives.com. That's right. And when you go there and you pun- and you punch in the promo code knife talk 10 that will give you 10 percent off all of your orders of your order so if you're getting belts discs epoxies stabilized woods they do a lot of stuff you buy in bulk with them which is nice they have great belts and stuff like that but if you punch if you put in knife talk 10 you get 10 percent off and one of the great things that's been happening is, is everybody's been posting in their stories about their orders Plus, um, they've been tagging combat, they've been tagging us, and, and it's been really, really great, and I think that they're doing very well. 
But we're very happy to have them as a sponsor, and we really appreciate uh, you guys going to them and going to Combat Abrasives and get that get that promo code Knife Talk Ten for your ten percent off. Yeah, and you know if you haven't used them before, they've started doing these kits, um, like introduction kits to, to their belts. I think it was Carly Cummins was um, talking about them on one of her stories. So you get a bunch of different grits all in this kit, and it's a great way to sort of introduce yourselves to to what they do. And I mean, for me, it's all about their shredders, which are incredible. I know Morocco loves them as well. Yeah, um, love the shredders. Give them a try. You can get one of these kits. They're very inexpensive, and they're even cheaper using our code Knife Talk Ten. Um, so give them a whirl at CombatAbrasives dot com. Craig's Community Showcase. This is our part of the show where we give some love to other makers or, or, or others uh, affiliated with the knife-making community, those who inspire us, those who uh, make our jaws drop on the floor, and those who are our friends and people we just want to help put on blast and help give a little extra love with, or <laughs> love with. Erase your supervisor, baby. Easy. Yeah, that's hey, right, baby. Hey, baby. Uh, <laughs> so, our, our fearless leader, Mr. Craig, is going to... Get us kicked off. Well, you say fearless. <laughs> Mine is, um, we chatted last week about Kean Healy, um, uh, proper church on Instagram. I didn't realise he's got an Instagram account specifically just for his knives. So I know he puts some of his knives on his on his um, proper church account. But proper knife is where he puts most of his knife stuff. Um, real classic Western chef knives, the kind of stuff that I make. Um, he's just, I don't know where he finds the time because this guy's a professional athlete and I think he still wants to kick my ass, but he's making these great, (laughs) great knives. And interestingly enough, I noticed that he's just had a delivery of a new grinder, um, from Clarix Metalworks. And from next week, you will be able to get a Clarix Metalworks um, grinder with um, a promo code from us for a discount. So make sure you're listening next week. But anyway, Kean Healy, proper knife. He makes great chef knives. Did did you end up having to deal with him at all? Of our last episode, you gave him some. <laughs> you you hit him up after your team beat his team, and you we gave you some shit about it. Did you hear anything I've from heard, him? I've heard nothing. I've heard. I, I just, right. I'm looking over my shoulder everywhere I go, but I've heard nothing. <laughs> yeah, you should. I, I think he's probably still steaming. That's fine. I'm with you. <laughs> Who have you well, got, Jeff? I, I would like to give a shout out to a good friend of the show who listens to the show, and I got to meet him last week. His name is Chris Cash. He is Mount Philip Mount. MT underscore Phillips underscore metal underscore works. Chris Cash is a good dude. He's a blacksmith down in, um, where the hell is he? Uh, I think he's in like Maryland. Is that right? I don't, it doesn't really matter. But what he does is he's been doing a lot of buying shops and selling, um, used, uh, you know, older power hammers and anvils and shop tools, tongs and hammers. And I met him last week. Uh, he delivered a champion power hammer to our buddy Sunset Forge, New Jersey. And I tell you what, I had a long conversation with him. He is a such a good dude. He listened to the podcast. He's a straight right. shooter, super knowledgeable. He He's an honest guy. And 
if I were to buy a used power hammer or or I said to them too, if I was going to buy a used power hammer or an old power hammer or an old an anvil or if I'm looking for an old tools, I'm going to go to Chris first. And that's Mount Phillips Metalworks. He did a super solid for John Ariani, uh, Sunset Forge, New Jersey. He's a, he's a great person in this community. He's not looking to get people. He wants to be involved. And uh, he was just, after spending some time with him and listening to him and, t- and listening to how he talks about blacksmithing and the community and, and being involved, he's just the kind of guy you want to support. So I'm with you, Chris. Mount underscore Phillips underscore metal underscore works. Nice. Love it. Well, this week I want to show some love uh, to my buddy Ian Rogers. He's on Instagram at Haburn Knives. It's H A B U R N Knives. He is uh, he's he's a younger maker. He's incredibly talented, and uh, he's one of he's one of the few guys in the culinary scene who are fooling around with forging his own stainless Damascus. Uh, but he does. Uh, he, he does a lot of integral knives, um, specializes in chef's knives. He does these really cool inlays and his handles and stuff. And it's just his work, uh, his work is really something that inspires me. Just his level of, of fit and finish and attention to detail is definitely one of those guys that, uh, you want to follow and see just to see it as inspiration or to get some, uh, get some point, or I guess not necessarily pointer, but just like just to see a standard by which, uh, especially if you're trying to get up into the higher end stuff, what your stuff should be looking like. Ian Rogers is making it. And so get on Instagram, give him a follow. Um, and yeah, that's what I got. He's, he's a good dude. I have a great idea. Why don't we give a community shout-out to Jesse Savage and the Blacksmith's Pub Podcast. That's the one. This is a great podcast that I've listened to. I've been fortunate enough to be on a couple times. And it's Rick and Jesse, Jesse Savage, and Jesse Savage Blacksmith. And they interview a lot of world-renowned blacksmiths and metal workers. They have a great casual way of, of talking they're they're in with you they're interested in the, the concept of forging it's a little bit different than ours where it's not knife centric it's more the idea of moving material it's they talk to great guys i will say and i've said this a million times their interview with jesse james the pope of welding is one of my all-time favorite podcasts i listened to it a couple times and you should all listen to the blacksmith's pub podcast and follow jesse you probably already do and there we are. How's that, Rick? Did that work out for you? That is awesome. Thank you very much. Of and course. yes, Jesse, I mean, I figure everybody already follows Jesse from I mean, he's he's the man. He's got he's got it going on. All right. That's it. That's a show. That's a show. That's good. Big thanks to Rick for rudely interrupting us. Um <laughs> And allowing Jeff to see the questions a couple of days before. Let's face it, no, we all no, know no, that no. happened. Thank, thank you guys for having me on and too. I really, barter, really appreciate it. And that's usually usually one of the things I do if I go on and I say something that's awful. I usually tell people that my my uh, my all all complaints go to barter underscore rick at gmail.com because i'm hoping that somebody's going to send nasty messages to you oh that's not the right that's why nobody that's, that's why i'm not what did you any. was a rick barter gm dot G, gmail it's, it's yeah it's uh, well i don't want to give out my email so much but, <laughs> yeah, what's but, but, well, these guys yeah. gave out my email 
Oh, fuck it. Fine. Well, Rick, rick.barter at gmail.com. All there complaints go. go there. All complaints go to trust Rick. Me. <laughs> That's the reason why you go haven't ahead. gotten anything. I got it. forgot about that slide, dot. What is it? Slide into my DMs uh, at barter underscore Rick on Instagram. Nice. Yeah. But be careful what you wish for. <laughs> That's the show. I think we're done. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.